Welcome. You're listening to a That Disney Hustle podcast. This is Chanel, and I'm joined with my husband, Caleb, as usual, but we have a special guest today. We have Amanda. Amanda, you want to say hello? Hey, everyone. All right. So this is our good friend, Amanda, down in Louisiana. Um, We are doing a special episode today. We are doing tips for doing Disney with littles, a.k.a. what's your Disney style. Um, So that's going to be the gist of what we're going to do today. We're going to be going through kind of three basic, um, three basic topics. And before I do that, though, Caleb has rightly reminded me, who is Amanda? (laughs) Just, you know, here's Amanda. (laughs) Say hi, Amanda. So um, Amanda is a good friend of ours, like I said, down in Louisiana. That's where we're from originally, at least where I'm from originally. Caleb is a Minnesota transplant. And Amanda is from the great (laughs) frozen north, from the beautiful Canada. It's like the second time you've sung that on our podcast. I have to do it. I have to do it, especially if it's a Disney Hustle podcast. It has to be done. I'm sorry, people. I That's just what you get when you get me. So um, she's from uh, she's our friend from the north. And we all met in Louisiana. We all share a love for Disney. She is a fellow travel agent. We are part of uh, the same network, the Avoya Travel Network. So we're able to help each other out at times and give each other tips and pointers and advice and um, share information that way. Um, But she's a fellow Disney travel planner, um, and she does an excellent job. She knows her stuff. Um, Her and her family are Disney aficionados as we are. They're kind of like us. We go when we can. We're kind of like once a year, whatever kind of kind of Disney goers. We're not like annual pass holders or live in Florida, but um, we stay in tune with what's going on in the parks. And so, yeah, so um, we'll jump right in. Planning Disney with the Littles. So first up on the category, here's our three categories. I prided myself on the three Ps that I have going on here. Planning with Littles, preparing with Littles, and parks with Littles. So the three Ps that we have here. So the first one up, we've got planning. For The big question on everybody's mind, and this is a big deal today, to tell or not to tell, that is the question. And what I mean by that when I say to tell or not to tell, do you tell your children in advance, hey, you know, let's plan a Disney, we're going to plan a Disney trip, we're going to go next year, or we're going to go six months, two years, whatever it is. Do you tell them or are you of the persuasion that you should wait and do the surprise video where you um, wait, you plan it all secretly, you pack secretly, and then, you know, basically as they're getting in the car, hey, we're going to Disney or whatever your scheme is. There's so many different. Um, So I'll kick it off with that. Amanda, what are your thoughts on planning versus surprise? We've done it both ways. Um, The first one, we went back in 2019 um, for our daughter's birthday. Um, we told her, we planned it in October, but we told her in Christmas, but we weren't going till the next July. And I regret that (laughs) because when are we going? When are we going? Are we, is it time to go yet? How many more days do we go? And then this past February, we went with our other daughter's birthday. Um, we're going to bed the night before early at six 30 because we had to be up at three to get to the airport. Right. Um, which was My oldest is smart enough to figure things out, but she didn't get this. Um, So we didn't tell them until we got in the car. The car was packed. It's three o'clock in the morning and we're going to the airport. Where are we going? Well, here we are. And I think that's a little bit better just because things change and kids being kids. It's kind of like when you're in the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I I love the element of surprise. They're just like floored by it. So I, I would do a surprise again. I don't know if I would, if I was going to tell them I'd wait till like maybe a week or two, it was like seven months and that was no, right, not a plan. I think, yeah, I think we'd say the same. I think it depends on, you know, a lot of different factors. It probably depends on the age of your children. Obviously, Mm -hmm. if they're pretty tiny, they're not going to get it anyway. Um, Olive's first visit, she was three 
and that was to Disneyland. We did kind of tell her in advance, but it was kind it was such a big, vague concept for her that she didn't mm-hmm. get it. So she didn't ask about it a lot because she didn't get it. She was two when we were planning it. And so um, we didn't have a lot of that. So the next time, the, this last time that we took her to Disney World, um, she was five and we kept it a complete secret, a complete surprise, even packing. We packed it all up. We hid the suitcases. And mm-hmm. um, the day of, we cooked up this whole scheme. The day before. The day before, we cooked up this whole scheme, right, because we stayed in a hotel um, in downtown Rochester or um, – because like you, we had to catch a crazy early flight. Like we had to be at the airport for two or three o'clock in the morning. So we went to bed that night at like four. <laughs> Thank goodness for blackout curtains in the hotel. Um, so yeah, we didn't tell her and we took a, we did a surprise video and everything. And we loved the element of surprise. This time going, she's going to be seven when we go. Um, she knows that it's coming. We kind of haven't decided if we're going to kind of still spring it last minute because she doesn't really know when it's coming. But we've kept her in the know because we've enjoyed including her in some of the planning. Like we love to watch lots of Disney YouTube videos and talk about rides and talk about restaurants and things. So it's been fun to have her input a little bit. So I guess I would say it just depends on a lot of factors, the age of your kids, their temperament and personality. But the surprise thing is a load of fun. And I'd say if you can do it, do that for sure. What do you think? Right. Tell them after the trip. <laughs> Caleb says tell them when it's all done. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys if you have uh, any thoughts, plan, uh, tips, or thoughts on that. Um on when to tell your kids or how to tell your kids. And I love all the videos that I see of people with the surprises. There's so many creative things out there that people do with that. Um, So the next thing on our list here is preparing. And this one will probably devote a little bit more time to the preparing and the parks actual category. So preparing with little ones. Um, first, First thing we have up is things to pack. I'll say this, when it comes to packing, I get a little stressed when Olive wants to quote unquote help, Um, but I'm trying to do better about it. I'm trying to let her pack some things. I'm just kind of methodical and I a lot of times wait till the night before when she's asleep to do the majority of the packing, but I'm trying to get better at letting her help. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm working on my patience with that. But um things to pack. We've got some I've got some things listed, but Amanda, do you have any specific things that you love or find helpful when you go to the parks? Be prepared for anything. Um, any kind of weather. We went in February this year, and so I packed a lot of long sleeve shirts, pants, and everything like that. One thing I did not pack for my oldest Georgia was shorts. The last two days we were there it was in the nineties. Ooh. <laughs> so like we went the first week of February thinking it'd be cooler not so bad but it was we were in Hollywood studios and it was 92 degrees outside and this poor child had pants on and a t-shirt wow um with the three-year-old Scarlett she had some shorter sleeves but I was in a gift shop in Hollywood studios looking for something in her size with shorts so Always be prepared for any kind of weather that may come your way. Even though it's January, February, it's not always winter in Florida. It's still pretty hot and humid. Um, but always, I, my main thing, just prepare for all seasons, whether it be hot or cold, depending on what time of year it is. That's um, that's basically my big thing. Just be prepared. But I always overpack, but not always the best things. Yeah. I stress out too. So, right. That's a excellent tip, Amanda. Um, Be prepared for any kind of weather. Weather in central Florida is tricky. Um, In the summer, obviously you're dealing with heat. You're also dealing with high humidity and um, pretty much the threat of rain showers almost every day in the afternoon, especially. So we like to have ponchos at the ready. Um, Some people like Caleb doesn't even like to fool with an umbrella. He just thinks it's more trouble than it's worth. But I keep a compact umbrella because I like an umbrella sometimes. But ponchos we find to be really helpful because you can throw them on over your backpack if you're wearing a backpack and it can really kind of 
keep you as dry as possible. Um, but that, but that way you can still go, you know, you can still kind of get to where you're going and not have to completely stop and shut down. Um, you know, maybe unless if it's an all out deluge, which definitely happens, but yeah, definitely like that tip, be prepared for every weather. I know we've experienced on, you know, one trip alone, you might have two different seasons. Like our last Mm -hmm. trip that we took in late January, um, the beginning of the trip was cold. I mean, it was, it was in the low forties, which for us, Northern people, I say us Northern people, I'm a new transplant. Low 40s is like nothing. We're like, oh, we can wear shorts. But that's deceptive in Central Florida. It is a humid, damp, cold, and the wind will get you and that dampness will really get you. So if you're going in the winter months, don't just automatically assume, oh, it's Florida, you know. Definitely have some warm weather options or light layers that you can do. And, but also because it's winter in Florida, like Amanda just said, you could have 90 degrees in February. That is not unusual. So that's a good one, Amanda. Be prepared for every weather eventuality. And then also, obviously, just pay attention to the weather um, forecast. But, you know, that is not always super reliable. I always like to pack these little portable USB fans too. Um, okay. Just find them on Amazon. They're really cheap, and they could all, you can also get ones that hook onto the strollers because even though you have the stroller, that it still gets hot in there. So we always clipped Absolutely. one to the stroller, and it's just easy to charge. You know, your portable charger or anything that's, that's that awesome. you're in the parks. Yeah, it made in July. It was a lifesaver for sure. Believe it or not, Caleb and I have never been to the parks in the height of summer. Thankfully, mercifully, we've never been. I think we were there for a Memorial Day weekend one time, but that technically technically is still spring. I mean, it was hot, of course, but we've never been in the months of June, July, or August. Thankfully, we went in the end of July, and it was we had we and we had all the fans, the cooling towels, and they those are good things, but they're always. It's one thing that they run out, they dry up. So you're trying to find a water fountain to kind of rehydrate it and get it cool. One good thing about that, if you're going in the summer with those cooling towels, at the end of the, you know, we got back to the resort, we'd run them through the cold water, put them in Zuckbox bags, and then put them in the fridge overnight. And then we took them out the next day, put them in the cooler we had in the stroller, and pulled them out when we needed it. Mm, yeah. So, um, and that's a point that we'll make in a little while here is, uh, is the summer heat is a real, is a real, real thing. And hydration is a very necessary thing. So, um, I'll plug this again later, but definitely, um, reusable water bottles, reusable mugs. Um, you know, when the Disney dining plan was happening, we always got the reusable mug and that was great to constantly be filling with water. It's got a lid on it, so it's handy dandy. And um, that's definitely something that's worth repeating is the hydrating. Um, And hydrating before you even get to that point of um, realizing that you just haven't had enough to drink. So um, sports drinks, water, whatever you can get your hands on. And I, I go for the refillable. I don't know about, I'm sure you do too, Amanda, just because buying a bottle of water Every so often, is that gets spendy. So, any tips for hydration that you have? Um, well, one thing we did is we used one of um, the deliver- grocery delivery services ah, yeah. that will deliver straight to the resort. Is they're waiting for you when you check in, and we always buy a case or two of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, we went with a bigger group of us. We bought two, and that way, it's a lot cheaper because in the parks, you're five fifty a bottle of water. Sure. Um, this way, I think for like a case of 24 bottles was maybe $10. It's a little more expensive because it's a convenience, but right. 24 bottles for $10 is a lot better than spending five fifty. And right. if your kids are anything like my kids, they're always thirsty. Yeah. So this way they're keeping seriously. And so we just keep them on the fridge and then we load up the little cooler every morning to take to the park and just refill those bo- water bottles as we use them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, while we're on it, uh, while I'm thinking about it, Amanda, why don't you share the Amanda has two beautiful little girls. Why don't you share their ages and their names if you feel comfortable with that? Their first names. Yeah. Not that. Um, Georgia. That's okay. Um, Georgia will be nine in a couple of weeks, 
And Scarlett just turned three in February. Yay. And of course, we have our little uh, six-year-old Olive, who will be seven in a couple of months. So she'll be seven when we make our next Disney trek. So we do Disney with little girls. Um, yes. So Disney with boys, maybe it's different. I don't know if, if you guys have any tips out there or anything that's just different about Disney with boys. I don't know what would be that different, but... I'm a boy. Well, come on. Okay. <laughs> no, no, seriously, though, like probably doing Disney with boys is a lot like doing Disney with me. Like I'm a little kid. Yeah. I love all the swords and all the piratey stuff and, you know, so that that's the kind of stuff doing Disney with boys. I first went when I was two and then again when I was seven. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that when I was a kid. I would get into. Yes. Um, obviously, every kid's going to be different, but um, whereas the little girls often are more into the princesses and all that kind of stuff, the boys are more into probably the Star Wars stuff and the uh, the pirates and and all that. Although Olive, she does enjoy a good Star Wars adventure. So she does. She does love to pilot that uh, Millennium Falcon. That Millennium Falcon and crash it into all kinds of stuff. So whether you have a little pirate or princess, um, traveling to Disney with the littles is lots of fun. So the next thing we have on our preparing is strollers. To me, a stroller is a big deal for Disney. Um, We recommend eight and under in a stroller. Um, Do you concur, Amanda, about eight and under? Um, I think so. Just, you know, depending on, you know, know your child and what they can, Mm -hmm. you know, get through. Um, when we went two years ago, Georgia was turning seven. She was kind of too big for the stroller, mm-hmm. but but she had no trouble walking around and doing okay. any, you know, casing with us. But for sure, the little, little you know, eight's a good number, especially anything five even. Yeah. Um, we couldn't live without our stroller. That's for sure. Right. So we definitely say eight and under. Obviously, like Amanda said, it depend. It varies on the child. It varies on the size of your child. We have a little a little shrimp because Caleb and I are not very, we're hobbits. We're a family of hobbits. So Olive is smaller than the average uh, six-year-old and she will probably be smaller than the average eight-year-old unless if something crazy happens. Um, So we recommend it if your child fits um, that size for eight and under, just because the parks are huge. People underestimate how big they are and how much walking will happen. So a lot of people will tell me, oh, but my child, we stopped doing a stroller around four or five at least. And I'll say, yes, but Disney is different. You're going to be in those parks probably all day. If not, for a good portion of the day, it's going to be hot. They're going to get tired. Um, Giving them the option to sit and stroll is a good idea. Even if they want to walk for a while, at some point, it's very likely that they will get tired and appreciate the option of sitting. And you as a parent will probably appreciate that as well. Um, Because, you know, as things get hotter and they get crankier, it's just good to have, I I prefer an, um, you know, an umbrella stroller so that they can get some amount of shade. Um, I like, I like a lightweight stroller. I like one with a cup holder if possible, and maybe a basket underneath. But other than that, and the umbrella, it doesn't need to have lots of other bells and whistles for me. Um, because lightweight for me is key because it's going to have to be folded up and put on a bus and that kind of thing. It's going to have to be transported. So those are my things that I look for in a stroller. Um, and they have stroller regulations now too. You can't go too big and too wild. Um, because, uh, if you've ever seen the stroller parking areas in Disney, it gets real. Yeah. I think there's some size regulations and as well, you can no longer bring, uh, the wagon style strollers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, that brings us to another sort of stroller related topic. Amanda, what do you think? Rent versus bring your own. I, we, we have, every time that we've gone, we have rented through, there's a great company called Kingdom Strollers. Um, it's very inexpensive compared to if you're going to go to the parks and run them for the day at the parks. So I think they run about $15 a day in the parks. Whereas running them through kingdom strollers that we use, it's for about five nights. It's like $70 mm-hmm. and it, you can pick it up at the airport um, when you land. And then when you return it, you just, before you fly out, just go return it. 
Um, we have, and there's actually comes with a free little cooler that you can use and a cover, a rain cover. So, you know, cause you know, Florida it might be rainy, but that comes with a cover to protect it. Um, and they're all, they make sure that the stroller is in within Disney regulations. Mm-hmm. And the one that we use is just, you pull up one, one little, uh, button and it pulls the whole thing and within like 15 seconds. Right. And it's good that it can also lay back. So when they get tired, you can always lay back and take a nap and cover them up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we're big fans of stroller rental too, um, because we're coming from a distance, um, from a distance. Oh, there's okay. Um, so because we, Every time we've gone with Olive, which is two times now, um, <laughs> it makes it sound like so much. Um, we have flown and flying with, I mean, I have a, a, a decent size like jogging stroller, um, which is kind of a heavier one. It, it's, I want to say it weighs about 25 pounds and it can be kind of a clumsy thing. And just even the thought of trying to get through the airport with it or even checking it just seems always like a nightmare to me. So for us, it's been worth it to rent one so we don't have to mess with it in the airport. Um, and then, um, you know, have one available. The time that we did it was out in California and ours was delivered to our hotel. But since COVID, a lot of that has changed. Um, so here's a little plug. Talk to your Disney travel agent and we will help you select the right rental company, um, to figure out, you know, where it's delivered and how that, how that transaction goes down, um, will help you navigate that. But, um, we definitely recommend renting if you're going to be driving, um, or if you're nearby in the area, it might be worth it to you to bring your own, but especially when you're flying, it just makes a lot of sense to rent one. And, um, we do the same. We rent from an outside company. There are the ones at, at the parks that you can rent. But like Amanda said, the companies end up saving you money. And the trouble with renting one at Disney is at the end of the day, you're going to have to return it to the park. So if you're going to your resort and you have a little bit of a walk there and that type of thing, then you, you know, you don't have a stroller or or your little one has gone to sleep. Right. You got to wake them up. You got to wake them up to walk or you've got to try to cart them the whole way. Whereas having a stroller um, for that resort walk is helpful. Or even the walk from the the park to the bus or to your car or whatever, because that can sometimes be a lengthy walk. And at the end of the day, that can be difficult with a tired little one or a sleeping little one. So we definitely are big fans of renting a stroller. Yeah. Another thing to rent too, you know, if you're going to do like a day at Disney Springs, you rent one, you've already gotten, got it to get on the bus and go to Disney Springs and not have to worry about renting one there. Mm-hmm. And I found that they came in handy, you know, at the airport because I don't know how many people have been to Orlando International Airport. There's a lot of people and there's trams. And I think just having that stroller there when you land, it just makes life so much easier for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good point. Um, so the last little bullet point here that we have with preparing. Oh, I'll say one more thing that I forgot to type that I love to bring with me to pack. And it's going to sound funny, but nail clippers. And they're not just for clipping your nails. I mean, obviously, they're for that. But um, I like to have nail clippers handy with me because if you're in the parks and you're going to be buying any souvenirs or clothing or anything like that that's going to have tags on it or packaging that you need to get into, I like to have those handy to help um, take care of all that. And you can't bring pocket knives and scissors and things like that into the parks. Um, Obviously they have, you know, they have bag check and they're going to notice those things and they're not going to let you have those. But nail clippers um, I think are a great little tool to help with opening tough packaging. And so I like to have those handy if any souvenirs are purchased and you need to get into the thing right away because your kid's losing their mind. So that's my little hack is to have a nice pair of nail clippers with. So um, any other things that you like to have or bring to be prepared? Um, No, not really. I mean, have activities, especially if you're flying. Oh, it's bring a backpack full of toys and um, just to get through the, you know, the whole travel process, books, coloring books, things like that. Absolutely. Extra snacks. 
Which brings us to um, the brief category of travel. Um, we have plane versus drive. Obviously, this is going to depend on a few things, where you're coming from, how far you have to get, have to drive or fly to get to the parks and budget. It, it's kind of all of the above. Um, like I said, we typically have flown, um, especially now we live in New York State. We live in upstate New York. So it's uh, it would be a good two-day process to drive down to Florida, and we won't even talk about what it would be to drive out to California. That would just be that would be crazy and get in your Conestoga covered wagon and <laughs> trek it across the country. <laughs> um, so we we fly. Um, so and Amanda, if I'm not mistaken, you typically drive, right? Is that? No, we've oh, we've flown yeah, these last two that. times. Uh, we work. We thought about driving, but then we decided not to just because we did have a bigger group going with us and it cost effective. It was cheaper to fly than to drive because when you drive, you have to think about parking at the resorts and there is a fee. Even if you stay at the resort, there is a nightly fee to park your car there. Right. Um, but back in the day when we went, when I went for the first time back in 1992, we drove from Canada down to Florida. <laughs> that was a two day trek. Um, I think we left, I remember like leaving at a ridiculous hour in the morning, stopping halfway, like in Virginia and then driving there or maybe Georgia and driving the rest of the way, um, with little kids, well, any kids, even adults, I think flying is just a lot easier, yeah. you know, cause they want to stop, you know, I need to stretch my legs. I'm tired. And even if we drove from Louisiana, it's still a good 10 and a half, 11 hour drive. Definitely. So I just feel like driving and I'm a person who has very little patience sometimes. So flying, I want to get there. I want to get things done now. I don't want to have to wait a day or so and break it up. But I do know friends that actually will drive and they will break it up and make it easier for them and their kids. But I think for us, flying is the way to go. Yeah. Flying, flying has been what we do too. And we've given tips before on flying with little ones, but, um, I will say the same as Amanda, make sure you have, um, things that they like to do for Olive. We have headphones that we bring. She's got a little tablet, um, coloring books, snacks. Olive's the kind of girl we got to change it up regularly, man. She gets bored quickly with things. Um, if there's a screen on the flight with movies, that's always a bonus, but that's not always the case. So we have lots of little things. She's got like little magnetic paper dolls. Those are fun and nice because they're magnetic and they're not paper, but I mean, they're like paper dolls. But anyway, lots of fun little travel things. Um, I always like to tell people if your children are small and they need to expend a lot of energy, find an empty terminal and let them just kind of have their way <laughs> for a little while if you can find an empty area for them to really get a lot of movement out. So that's kind of our travel tips. Like I said, I won't spend a lot of time there because we've done that before and probably will do that again. So here's probably the biggest category of them all is the parks, the actual parks themselves with the little ones. Um, the first thing I have on there is uh, the question of, and there's a lot of different camps with this, but midday breaks and naps, yay or nay? Um, Amanda, what's your experience and your practice with this? Um, I'm a big nayer on this situation. Um, this is why the the strollers are a big plus for me, just because if you, especially the little ones. We're the type of people, we're there at road drop and we will there be there probably till park closing. So, I mean, that's a long day, especially for any for anybody, especially little kids. So we will, you know, do our thing and, you know, Scarlett will, you know, numerous times fall asleep in the back, in the stroller. She's fallen asleep on the frozen ride on Small World when she was littler. <laughs> so, I mean, thing with kids, little kids, they will nap. They don't care where they're at. They will nap wherever. Um, right. Well not every kid's like that, but mine were like that. Um, just pop that stroller down. She could take a nap, cover them up. But like I said, you know, our, my child would nap wherever it was. So, you know, and it, it was nice, especially if we're on the rope, did the rider swap and we're in line with, you know, the, with her, she could take a nap by the other two are taking a ride. Yeah. Uh, we're the same. I know some people swear by taking a break and taking that midday you know, trek back to the hotel and taking a nap. 
Um, of course, um, you know, to do that, you have to have the right kind of park ticket. There are certain park tickets where that might not allow for that. Um, but again, your travel agent can help with that. Um, so we are, we, that was a, that was a very special park ticket. You're talking about the four way magic ticket, but most your standard ticket allows you to, to leave and come back to the same park. If you have the park hopper, you can go to any park. Right, exactly. Um, so for us, we've done the same. Um, Olive, thankfully, can when she took naps, she really doesn't anymore. But when she did, she could fall asleep as long as there is movement, like either the stroller was moving, the ride was moving. She's fallen asleep on Small World too. Um, she's fallen asleep on the gigantic Ferris wheel in Disneyland. Mid sentence, she was in the middle of telling us something, and then the next thing we know. <sighs> She's she's out. So thankfully, if there's any kind of movement, steady movement, she'll fall asleep. Um, so we have we have done the same thing. You just have to know your kid. If your kid needs to be in a cool, quiet, still environment, then maybe that might be for you. Thankfully, we've been able to keep going and just put her in a stroller. Um, so, so that, I guess, yeah, like you said, we've got a lot in common so far with the way that we do Disney with our kids. Um, the next thing I have for the category, it actually says this by the dang bubble wand, (laughs) by the dang bubble wand. We've had our, um, our share of tears and tantrums over a bubble wand so how do you prepare for souvenirs or how do you plan for souvenirs what's your plan of attack for this um well the first time we went my parents came with us um and it was up to them oh i want that okay let me get it for you but no when the grandparents are not there we kind of you maybe get a little toy and usually like a t-shirt something like that they weren't, they didn't really want all the extras. They want, they like look through the gift shops and everything like that, but we stuck to, you can get a t-shirt and you can get a stuffed animal and kind of kept it to that. We've never done the bubble one, but if I don't introduce it, they don't have to get it. So right. we're just going to steer clear from the bubble ones. I mean, they see the balloons and stuff, but we just have to, how to explain to them. We don't, we don't, we can't take the balloon on the airplane. Um, it's kind of a big, you know, a big hassle. So we just kind of have a game plan going into it. This is what we're going to do. You can pick one toy. And then if you find a t-shirt, we can get something down the road. Unless it's a special occasion, of course. Yeah. So I think to, for me, for us, preparedness is half the battle. So we have a discussion. Obviously, if we're surprising the child, then they won't know very far in advance that they're going, but we at least have a discussion before getting into the park. Like this is, this is the thing, you know, you can pick out one thing for the day or you can pick out one thing for the trip. So we tell her, bear that in mind. Don't just go for the first thing you see. Um, Caleb will even do something where if she's going through a shop and she sees something she likes, he says, let me take a picture. So he'll take pictures throughout the day And that way she kind of has a bevy of things to choose from. And then at the end of the day, um, Caleb being the sweet daddy that he is, will often huff it to wherever the thing was that she wanted and get that. But that way she doesn't feel that like, um, you know, that panic of, oh no, I want this thing. And what if we don't see it again? Or what if, you know, whatever he's like, you know, I'll take a picture We'll keep it in mind. If we don't see it anywhere else, we'll know where we got it from. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get that thing for you. So that's kind of a fun thing that we've come up with, but we find that just communicating beforehand really helps. And, um, yeah, with the bubble wand, she saw her first bubble wand when she was three at Disneyland. And that was the only thing she wanted. We're really glad that she really didn't want a lot else, just the bubble wand. Um, and so that thing lasted for a while. It took a lot of beating. We had it for at least about a year. So the next time she went to Disney World, we didn't have it. And all she could think about was blowing bubbles or having the bubble wand for Disney. And um, we finally realized, you know, we were kind of in agony over the the lame price tag of 20 or $25 for a bubble wand. But then we were like, you know what? We only go to Disney once a year, if that um, so buy the dang bubble wand. 
Um, and thankfully she was pretty happy with that the second time too, and didn't have to really deal with too much more. Um, so preparedness is half the battle. So whatever your plan is, discuss it with your whole family, discuss it with your children so that they know what to expect. Um, next thing we have is lines are long, have snacks. Amanda, do you have any tips for how to manage the long lines and the waiting? Yeah. Um, Definitely have snacks. Um, it goes back to what I was saying before. We used outside uh, grocery delivery uh, services to the resort. And I always, besides the water, we always um, order those applesauce pouches and like cookies, goldfish, granola bars, little things like that. Um, we learned our lesson after the first go around that we went back in 2019. Scarlett was 17 months old when we went that year. And all she wanted to eat was those applesauce pouches. And buying it at the park or even at the resort in the little restaurant cafeteria area, it was like $2 for a pouch. Um, so this time we went, I ordered it in advance. We packed it in the cooler, took it, you know, took it with us um, because she's a snacker as well. And she always wants to have cookies or crackers. So we always packed those the morning before we left the resort and we had them throughout the day. So when we're in the long lines, just reach in the cooler, reach in the stroller and grab a snack for them. Absolutely. Snacks are a must um, when there are long lines. Olive loves um, Olive loves the Disney popcorn, which of the Disney snacks, it's, you know, not as bad. And it can you can make it last for a while. So popcorn in a line made her super happy. In fact, I think our first trip to Disney, Olive lit, survived because of popcorn. Wouldn't you yeah. say, Caleb? Pretty much popcorn was. <laughs> so I, I I think that that brings up something that we've been discussing, Chanel and I, for our next trip, which is like, how do you keep your kids fed at Disney if you're eating the food at the parks? Because there's several restaurants, some of the newer restaurants at Disney, um, while they do a good job of having kids options, sometimes you got a picky eater who's maybe not into mac and cheese if it's not craft mac and cheese. Um, you know, they like chicken nuggets, but maybe they don't like the nuggets that they have at Disney World. So we kind of talked about, well, let's not waste our money ordering something at Satuli Canteen at Animal Kingdom for Olive when she probably isn't going to like the two or three options. And then if we're walking around and she sees something she does like, let's get that because most likely it's going to be smaller, um, not a big thing. And at least it'll be something she'll eat. And then we're not wasting money on stuff that we're going to sit there and fight with her to eat. Right. That's like um, Scarlett is the pickiest of picky eaters. And it was kind of a struggle when we went this this time. Um, like she was she was. She turned three while we were there, so she was still classified under three, so she got to eat free, basically, at the uh, table service restaurant. But this child, she won't even eat chicken nuggets sometimes or um, mac and cheese. But one thing that was a consistent on a lot of, like, especially the quick service, was the Smucker's Uncrustables. I'm pretty sure she lived on that the whole time we were in Disney World. Um, but like I said, they do have options for kids, you know, chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, what have you. But we went to Liberty Tree Tavern one night and it's not listed on the menu, but the waitress, she was like, well, you know, we have chicken tenders and fries. We can bring you if you want. I'm like, yes, let's do that. And it's not listed. So sometimes they're just even asking the waitress, if you don't see it, do you guys have any other options for kids? Right. Because Kids are so picky, especially and said Scarlett is my picky eater and she won't eat mac and cheese half the time. She'll live on French fries and ketchup and uncrustables this time. So it's like we were having crustables three times a day. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do when you're in the park. Exactly. You know, if it's popcorn, if it's uncrustables, there are worse things, right? There are worse things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that brings up a good point. Um, you can always ask a cast member when you're at the restaurants. They, uh, we have found that they are very accommodating. And yeah, they'll often have things that aren't listed or they have access to things that aren't listed. We talked about that before with people with special dietary needs, which 
brings up a good topic, you know, with children and allergies and um, different things like that. Disney parks are always, you know, in the know about that kind of thing and one step ahead with that kind of thing. So they have options. Um, and we've kind of danced around this, but obviously we've been talking about bringing snacks in. So just in case anybody was wondering, yes, you can bring your own food and drink into the parks. Um, so a lot of people make use of grocery delivery at their resort or hotel, um, which is a handy thing to do. Obviously you're going to pay a little bit more for that service, but it's still going to save you money versus eating every meal and every snack from the Disney parks. So, um, okay. So that brings us to the next thing on the list. I've got characters, take them or leave them. This is where we might differ in our Disney experience. I don't know about your kids. Mine is a little iffy on the characters. She likes them, but she likes them from a distance. So what about you? Um, well, when we went this past time in February there, you know, they hadn't because of COVID had no character meet and greets. They had the characters from a distance, but when we went in 2019, we had hit up all the characters, especially for Georgia. Scarlett, when she was that little, she could take them or leave them. She might look at Donald side-eyed maybe a little bit. Um, but a couple of them she would be, you know, friendly to. But then the other one, she was very skeptical of them. Um, but we hit them up every single one. We stood in that line for, t- who was it? I think it was um, Tinkerbell. It was like a 45-minute wait. But it was her Georgia's birthday, so she wanted me to Tinkerbell, so we did it. Um, but I loved when we had the fast passes for the character meet and greets. We got a lot of those done that way. Um, but you know, with COVID and everything, fast passes not being where they are right now, and they're not really doing character meet and greets right now. So it's kind of nice to have them at a distance. But you know, we we did do it last time. We had hit up every single one of them characters. Oh boy! Oh boy! <sighs> So, yeah. yeah, so Caleb and I, before, before Olive even ever entered into the picture, we just, we weren't the, we just, that wasn't our Disney experience. That wasn't how we Disneyed, I guess. Um, we enjoyed seeing the characters in the parks. We enjoyed seeing the characters interacting with people. I even enjoyed taking pictures of the characters, of people taking pictures with the characters, because that's just the kind of weirdo I am. Um, I also took pictures of people's fanny packs um, on the sneaky sneak. So, um, like I think our first Disney trip, I had like 20 or 30 pictures of people's fanny packs. It was just a weird thing that I, yeah. Um, so when Olive came along, we were interested to see, will she want to meet the characters? Will that be a thing for her or, or will she not? So we did a character dining, um, with some friends of ours that we went with and she was, she was unsure, but she warmed up to them. Um, we definitely got some pictures of her smiling and giggling with Goofy nearby. But it was it was a you know it was a slow progressive warm up. So that's something to know your child's temperament. Is that going to be something that's going to set them off or make them really happy? I have to say, I think the characters and their um, handlers are pretty good at noticing if a child is not okay with it. They are pretty good at reading the signs, but something that you can do as a parent to head off any potential um, meltdowns or or panic modes is let the character or their, um, their helper know um, only high fives, Mickey, or only high fives, you know, that kind of thing so that the character doesn't get too close um, and put your child out of their comfort level. Um, but like I said, they're pretty good at recognizing that. Thankfully, we've never had to wait. We, the only line we waited in to meet a character was Princess Tiana when we went to Disneyland. And that was a pretty short wait. Olive absolutely loved, still loves Princess Tiana and Princess and the Frog. But we did do that one line. And you could tell when we even took the picture with Princess Tiana, Olive was just like, I don't know about this. (laughs) So for our last trip, when we'd see a character, we'd ask, do you want to go say hello? And she'd say, no, I'm okay. I'm okay seeing them from where they are. I like seeing them at a distance. So um, that's been our experience. Um, I've heard people wait in line for hours to meet characters before. I remember when Frozen was, you know, when the first Frozen was out, 
Um, I would hear of people waiting three and four hours easily to greet Elsa. Parents running as soon as rope drop, as soon as the the doors open. Um, They called it the frozen 5K where parents would be running ahead to get to Anna and Elsa to get that coveted spot in line and wait hours in the hot Florida sun. And I'm just, I'm thankful that I haven't had to really experience much of that with Olive. I'm very glad. So you said 25 minutes for Tinkerbell. Is that what you had to no, do? It was like, it's like, a, it was like 25 minutes or so. Okay. That, it, was a, it was a thing. It was a, it was a lot. That's definitely I not the worst I've heard. No, no. There's other ones like for an hour, depending because they are doing the Mickey and Minnie birthday um, outfits and stuff like that. I really do enjoy it now how it is, how they're doing it, where they're just popping up randomly. So you don't have the cavalcades are so great. And then, you know, in Epcot, just randomly walking by, Elsa is like over by her cabin in the Norway Pavilion. And they don't let you know when it's happening. It's just random. And I think that's a little bit a better experience. It's because it's, you know, you don't have all the people in line waiting for it and they're at a distance. So yeah, somebody who is scared, you know, about the characters, they can still see them and see the characters that they like. But like you said, at a distance. Right. I hope I they kind of keep that. that way. I, th- I think so too. Yeah. It's more natural. Uh, Caleb and I are, in, are fans of that too. The kind of more sporadic, unplanned, like, mm-hmm. oh, look, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like you would see them in their natural habitat. If <laughs> that exactly. sounds funny, but like I like that. I like that a lot. So I hope that but they you, that. I hope they do keep that. I mean, if you want to see a specific character, Mickey or Minnie, that I that's why you like the character dining. Like if you do Chef Mickey, you know what you're getting into. You don't. You know what characters are going to be there, so you can cross those off your list. So it kind of could help you. Like, well, we already saw Mickey, so we don't need to stand in this 30 minute line to see Mickey again. We already saw him. We had lunch. Right. So I, I really like that aspect of the character dining part. Mm-hmm. Okay, absolutely. So um, the next thing that's on the list, we've already hit this, so I'm not going to really hit it again. It says, I put on here, heat equals drink. So bring your reusable mugs, your bottles, or like Amanda said, make use of grocery delivery service. Um, but drinking is a must. Um, constant hydration is a must. That alone can help to stave off some of the agitation and some of the um, tantrums and frustration that goes with being out all day in the heat, Um, just keeping your child hydrated and being aware that they're going to need to drink uh, much more than usual. And I think that um, applesauce pouches are another great thing. Fruit and applesauce pouches are great ways to hydrate other than just water. Um, The final thing on our list as we are getting ready to wrap this episode up and come to a close is heading home, which is always the hardest and the saddest part of any Disney trip. And I have on here, um, do you have tantrums or the blues while leaving? And we're just talking about the grownups. I mean, Caleb and I, we both have our share of the blues and maybe even a little bit of a tantrum right before we need to leave Disney. Uh, it's just a sad time to have to leave home if, you know, if you know what I'm saying, because Disney is our second home. So um, any tips for um, how to help with leaving? Um I put on here to save one small parting souvenir, drink, or snack that is only for leaving time. So whether it's something, whether it's a Mickey Rice Krispie treat that you bought in the park or whether it's a small souvenir, something that they can only open as it's time to leave. So it gives them something, grown up or child, to look forward to as they leave. I know for us, we bought parting snacks and drinks as we left and it was kind of like okay, we, we're getting on the bus to go, but at least we have um, a parting snack to take with us, you know, kind of a thing. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Amanda? I think I, think I take it worse than they do. Um, <laughs> I'm the one who I think probably cries more than they do. Um, but, you know, I really don't do anything in particular special when we leave. Um, you know, just give a heads up. We got a pack. We got to get ready to go. But if we, you know, I say we buy the t-shirt, but you get to wear your t-shirt home. That way you can show everybody on the airplane that you went to Disney World and it's a new shirt, it's a new t-shirt. And, um, you know, if they have a little toy, just something little to get their mind off of the going home part of it. Thankfully, the last two times, Olive, the first time, Olive definitely um, 
didn't get that that was happening. And this last time when she was five, I, I don't think that she fully got that. I think she's to the age now where we might have some sadness as she's leaving because we just took our, our little short summer family vacation to Maine. And she, this was new for me. She really got the blues as we were leaving. She was genuinely sad and had uh, not tantrum tears, but just genuine sadness over having had such a good time and having to end it. Um, so that was a new thing for me as a parent, watching my child get older and like, oh, she actually realizes that, you know, this is over. So just trying to do what I c- can to encourage her. We'll, we'll come back, you know, hey, the trip's not over. We still have the, we still have the 12 hour ride home. <laughs> More tears <laughs> then began to ensue. But, um, you know, any little tips, any little things like that, that can help them one last little piece of magic, one last little thing um, to help them realize, um, yes, it's coming to a close, but here's a little silver lining for you. So that's our thing. And I love your idea of letting them wear that T-shirt or if they bought a pair of Mickey ears or whatever it is that they bought, getting to play with it and show everybody on the ride home, on the plane home, like I went to Disney World. Um, and we know that those return trips from Disney can be difficult, especially with really small ones. We've been on our plenty of share of airplanes with toddlers that are just exhausted and losing their mind, um, having to leave and having to make that long trek home. So, all right, there we have it. There's our tips and our takes on how we do Disney with little ones. Um, anybody listening out there, if you have anything special to share with us, let us know. Caleb, do you have anything else before we get ready to sign off? I'm good. Amanda, do you have any last minute thoughts or things that we left out that? No, I think we hit it all. I think we nailed it. I think we covered it all. (laughs) Um, Inevitably, there's always more. There's always things that we'll think about, but that's why there's always future podcasts. So Amanda, thank you so much for being our guest today. Again, Amanda is not a problem. And Amanda is the travel agent herself. Um, Her travel agency is called Sela Vacations. Um, and she specializes in Disney as we do. She's also, um, really excellent with carnival cruises. Isn't that right, Amanda? Yes. All I do all the carnival cruise, any of the cruise lines. I'm really also one of my big specialties as well. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much, Amanda. And we are that vacation company serving you the most delightful destinations. (laughs) 